Hi, everyone. This is Barbara Bray. I've been reflecting, you know, this is Reflection 4, and um, since uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, we've, I've been on Twitter and on webinars and all different things. People are talking about it. And I heard this wonderful person, Keisha McDonald, share on Ed Talks Live about mental health. And some of the things that Keisha said, I said, I, I just have to have Keisha here so we can reflect on it together. Aloha, Keisha. Aloha, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why I say that is Keisha's in Hawaii. On where? Tell me where you. I'm are. on the Big Island, so I'm in Kailua Kona, which you know famously is the host of the International Ironman Championship every year. But also, my island is very well known. The big volcano that blew up a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, and also, of course, Mauna Kea. Right, all the protesters and um, Jason Momoa was very involved. So my island is Ooh. the Big Island. It's large. It's less populated. Um, it's less known for tourism, but very known for just beautiful, natural, wild places. And we have been in the news. <laughs> You've been in the news, and I know Jason Momoa. I mean, wasn't he on Moana? No, uh, no that was someone else. That was yeah. That's oh, I know who you mean. I I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, my husband and I were going to go there for our anniversary and that got canceled. But I know that's so dis. I know you have connections to Hawaii and then you and I also are connected to Oakland and like our path. It's amazing. Our paths haven't crossed before now, but I'm so glad they have at this point. Yeah. I live in the Oakland Hills and I mentioned that to Keisha and she said that, um, her- Tell, just tell what you just said. It was so amazing. So my dad was born and raised in Oakland. He was an Oakland fireman for 36 years. And he actually worked at the firehouse that is in your neighborhood. So, you know, in my childhood, um, if it was a holiday and he was at home, we'd often get in the car and go visit him and, you know, sit and try to have a meal if the bell didn't ring and a fire happened. And, you know, he lived through the Oakland Hills fire as well. He was one of the first um, responders to that. The, his truck was one of the first responses to that. So, um, I mean, I'm well acquainted with your area and of course if I ever come Barbara we're gonna have to go to Fenton's oh. and get some ice cream <laughs> oh that's my danger uh, I, I don't do that anymore but at one point I had the black and tan remember those big ones oh, that's my favorite every time that's my order I love it oh, oh my god you can't I mean if I eat it now I'd probably get sick <laughs> we'll share one we'll share one <laughs> but um yes the fire I just have to say this right now I I love the Oakland Fire Department and how wonderful they are. After that fire, I lived through it. And my daughter was in a home that did burn down. She got out, but it was very scary. And then there were 40 families in the school that she went to, Bishop O'Dowd, that um, actually lost their homes and I knew several people that lost their lives so it was very scary and now they keep they take care of us now they we the firemen come the fire people fire women and men uh they all check us to make sure we have you know the 30 you know the yes and and uh they're supposed to do that in a few weeks come by and they've just been amazing so we found another connection because I went to Moreau and I have friends who teach at Bishop O'Dowd. So it is a small world. Oh, and I did work at Moreau. So <laughs> no ways. Yeah, long. I'm gonna. My cousin was there, Susan White. 
Oh my gosh. Do you remember, I don't know if you remember her, but she was there when you were probably there. Anyway, it's, we better go on. I want to talk about mental health. And um, one was, I, I just want to say the connections that I've made on Twitter and um, in my personal learning network, we call it the PLN. So I'll yes. say that in the future. Um, it, it's just open doors and the connections when you and I started talking, it's like we've known each other forever. It's, and we probably have and just know it. <laughs> so um, you mentioned something on um, with Evo, Evo Hannon, who was the host, and you mentioned uh, what is good mental health and, and why is it important to have good mental health? Can you just kind of explain a little bit of what you said? Well, you know, one thing I really want to point out is good mental health isn't necessarily just the absence of a mental health issue. Right. I mean, when we think of mental health, I think we think of people who are already suicidal or people who are on meds or, you know, but good mental health actually isn't just the lack of some extreme, you know, distress or trauma. I mean, good mental health. Um, I'll quickly read you the World Health Organization definition. It's a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So, you know, ultimately, good mental health is about being cognitively, emotionally, socially healthy. And the way we think, we feel, we develop relationships. It's not just that absence of a mental health, you know, condition. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, again, we're with these kids so many hours of the day, often more than with their own parents. And that's why I said, you know, everybody should be a health teacher or we could all be mental health first responders because it, aren't, it, isn't, it doesn't have to become an emergency. If we're doing that pre-work, if we're, you know, checking in, if we have those relationships, if we're seeing signs early on, as educators, there's a lot we can do to build good mental health before you know, we're at that point where it's just, you know, there's something really needs to be done now. You know, it's part, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's part of our life. It's so important. And it's, you know, really integrated into everything we do. Well, you know what you, I didn't introduce what you do. <laughs> You're a certified health and uh, teacher for K-12 in your district, which is amazing. And the one thing you said is it was mental health awareness month, May. And I was saying, and you actually said it on the thing. We don't, we shouldn't do it a month. It should be all the time. And then you mentioned about teachers or all of us parents can be the first responders if there's an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I mean, we talk about growth, you know, there's so many buzzwords in education, like growth mindset and, um, you know, social emotional well-being. And, um, you know, it, it shouldn't just be a buzzword. It shouldn't be a day. It shouldn't be a month of awareness. Um, it's, it, it's a basic human right. You know, it's a basic human right to, to, to feel good about yourself, to know how to communicate with others, to be able to think, learn, and collaborate. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, like I said, um, we're on the front lines. You know, there's so much we can – are we trained professionals? No. Are we counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists? Are we all certified health teachers? No. But there's just so many basic human elements to this that every person 
whether you're a teacher or not, educator or not, parent or not, you know, there's, there's signs of awareness that you can have. And the more we talk about it, the more we just make it part of our, our being, you know, the more we're going to see these things and, and kids are going to know this is my right to be, to be happy, to be healthy. You know, I feel optimistic. I feel confident. I feel like I can make goals and plans. Um, I'm not blaming myself for everything I do all the time. I mean, these are basic tenets of good mental health. So, I mean, I'd love to see more of that you can embed that in any curriculum. <laughs> you know, it's not just some special SEL or mental health awareness month. It's, you can embed that in everything you do. I agree, Keisha. The, now that we have this, <clears throat> you know, that many people are at home and they're doing home learning and teachers are stressed. I want to bring this up about teachers too. Because um, I've, I've had many reach out to me who are really stressed to the point where they're, they're not sure how to balance everything. They're, many have children of their own at home. And then they have teachers who are sending home worksheets and not really building the relationships that really, I, I think all of us need those connections now. And kids uh, yeah. are missing their friends and, and I'm missing my children and, and grandchild. You know, I mean, we're all missing everybody. And so there's so much that we could do just right now to help people through this time. Um, I mean, there's so many people struggling, right? Yeah, there are. As um, you know, I talk to teachers too, and he, uh, they're all over the map. You know, some teachers are just on fire. Like I know that there's a need and I need to rise to meet that need. So I'm going to, and as you pointed out, you know, it's often the single teachers or the younger teachers are ones who don't have those family commitments that they're working 16 hour days and they're, they've been ignited by this, but other teachers, you know, I, I mean, I've been on the phone with veteran, you know, capable teachers who are just in tears, who cannot barely operate, and then they're being expected to provide curriculum, to provide things for kids. And, you know, it's, I, I, I always say this, teachers can't give what they don't have, you know, and I agree, we need to include teachers in everything we talk about for kids. And um, I wanted to say this. Of course. Because um, I've had, I've had, well, I just, like, I have neighbors that are wonderful, and my neighbor next door, she was crying. I said, what's going on? She said, her daughter came by, left something on, the, on Mother's Day, left something on the doorstep, and then drove off, mainly because of, you know, the so, uh, social or physical distancing, and she just started crying because she just wants to see, be able to be there with her family, and kids are feeling the same way where they want to just be with their friends, and um, some schools are saying that, okay, you can now use Zoom or Google Meet or something, but teachers don't know how to <laughs> do it, and they don't know how to connect with their parents. I mean, there's so many, so many struggles that I'm seeing that I, right now, I, I think just breathe, pause take care of your mental health too because this is something no one has ever gone through before and knowing that we're not alone in this is I guess a good thing but it's also scary for a lot of people right yeah I for me personally I have to say I mean there's you know when I get really just fed up frustrated I do 
kind of soothe myself with this thought. It's the whole world. It's not just us. It's not my school. You know, often I think when you're an educator, you're like, well, my school has these circumstances. You know, I'm 72% free and reduced, or I have so many ELL. You know, you're so, you get so wrapped up in the identity of your school and, and providing for your school, rightfully so. But, you know, for me, like the whole world is going through this. So when educators, you know, teachers, a lot of them are perfectionists. They get down on themselves. <laughs> <For> me. <laughs> you know, they, they want to provide, they want to serve. I mean, that's the heart of, of being a teacher. And when they feel like they don't have the capacity, maybe they didn't know how to use Google Classroom or Zoom before all this happened, they get very down on themselves. And it's really difficult to untangle and unpack that while you're still trying to provide service and, and trying to be everyone, you know, every, every, everything to everyone. And, um, I, I personally do find comfort in a way, like you said, it's a dual edged sword. I find comfort. It's not just me, right? I'm not the only one who feels like I'm not doing enough or I am enough or I can be enough. Um, my school isn't the only one that isn't like perfectly, it's, you know, have attendance for every student. Um, it's the whole world. It's the whole world at this point. And the scary part is no one's coming to save us, right? You know, like, it's not like, oh, two or three countries don't have this and they can send in forces or like with the fires. Uh, they sent firemen, right, from other countries to help with the fires. We don't have that situation right now. We're all in this together, just truly. Um, but it's also inspiring, you know, like you're talking about the connection, it's inspiring to be on Twitter and in these spaces and see how people are coping, what they're doing. I see teachers just jumping and learning new skills. Mm -hmm. You know, teachers who barely can open their email, let's be honest, you know, and they're suddenly adapting. They're creating these virtual spaces because they want to honor that connection. They want to create those places for kids to come. They want to make sure that they're reaching out in any way possible. And, and the human part first, definitely before the curriculum. So you know, I saw something this morning on Twitter with Taylor. Oh, I can't remember. Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah. He, he said that he was um, swinging on a swing with his daughter for 30 minutes. And she just turned to him and said, this is really nice, daddy. And she's five. And I'm thinking that, all of us need to pause and really take some time just to um, what's it, really treasure the moments and find the teachable moments. And some of those are the time that you probably didn't have before. You know, we, we were rushing around and doing so much that we never had the time to be with our family. Or, and I'm, yesterday was Mother's Day, and so I, we had a, a Zoom Mother's Day and just being able to connect in some ways is what we all have to do and just take some time off. I, I really like it that some of the school districts are waiving the tests. Some of the universities are getting rid of, you know, say we don't worry about ACT and SAT right now. And they're looking at ways to really connect, especially for families that have multi-age children all this homework and grading, they're trying to say, don't do it now. Let's just get to know your family and find some other ways. Yeah. I mean, I know personally of a family at my school, they, I mean, literally they have two kids at the high school, two kids at the middle and two at the elementary. Yeah. And I mean, can you imagine managing that household with one device? I mean, it's just, you know, so I'm one thing I have to speak up for Hawaii. I'm always proud to be a Hawaii public school educator. I have to tell you that I, I mean, <laughs> I love Hawaii. I, there's doing so many amazing things, you know, pulling the cultural strands into education and really trying to honor, um, um, 
um, you know, where we are and why this place is special. And so, I mean, I, I, Hawaii from the get-go was just, we're going to, we're not going to do grading. We're going to end it right here. We're going to provide enrichment, you know, for the kids who still need to learn and grow and, and develop themselves as people. We're going to provide that, but we're not grading. We have a no harm policy. You know, we've extended that grace. Um, mm -hmm. And I did say, you know, unfortunately, the reason behind that is not the great reason that inequity piece, right? Mm -hmm. We have teachers, much less students who don't have access to internet. We have, you know, we have a lot of rural areas here. So we, we, you know, some people just don't have an internet. Some people just don't have devices. Some people just cannot cope and they cannot manage. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, the reason behind it isn't a great reason. Those inequities exist. But, you know, Hawaii stepped up from the beginning and just said, this is our reality. You know, we're not going to try to sugarcoat it. This is our reality. We understand who we serve and we understand who's in our community and so we're going to just provide the best we can for them and, you know, not, not punish anybody who cannot fully participate. So we've also focused a lot, you know, on the food um, services. Um, the Department of Education set up a, a health line. So pulling in school nurses and then other outside health things. So, and again, this gets back to our mental health piece. Um, you know, any, any DOE uh, student who is having a health issue can call a special health line that's been set up through the Department of Education. So we're really focusing on those services of like, who are we in the community? You know, we're part of the fabric of the community. We're doing a lot more than just providing curriculum. And um, I mean, I love that piece. Again, I don't love the reason behind it. I would love to see a lot more equity and a lot more access. Um, but, you know, again, providing for that that piece, whether it's mental health, social health, a mental and emotional health, you know, um, Hawaii has stepped up for that. So I'm, I'm grateful to serve here. Oh, that sounds, well, see the, the good, there's good and bad. One, we're, we're finding out the inequities. It's, it's really transparent now. You can actually see and feel it and you know that kids are the ones that needed food. <laughs> yeah. Now people are stepping up. And we're seeing a lot of good things that are happening with the way people are teaching now. They're finding that just teaching the same way I did before, which was traditional teaching and being the expert on the stage is just not working. These kids don't, you're not engaging them or sending homework home uh, with worksheets. Parents are complaining because the kids don't want to do it. So now we're looking at ways, I mean, maybe this is a terrible thing but maybe there's always a silver lining behind some things that maybe will address the inequities, will address the type of learning that's going on. And then we'll look at what's really authentic and personal that we can, you know, like the idea of instead of a test at the end of the year, we'll look at ways to have them demonstrate their learning in, in multiple ways. Is it and the fact that you can find the silver lining tells me that you have good mental health, Barbara, because, again, you know, um, that ability to cope with situations and circumstances that get thrown at us. Um, you know, anyone will tell, I'm a middle school teacher. I mean, anyone will tell you middle school's the worst, right? It's, it's a tough time of life. And um, just, again, embedding kids with those skills to cope and to deal. And you've had a, uh, you know, you've had a lifetime of experience and I'm sure you've had a lot of up and downs. And, but here you are, you know, we're in a global pandemic. This thing is affecting every single person on earth. And you're saying, 
let's find the silver linings. So I'm saying, yeah, Barbara's got good mental health. <laughs> <laughs> not always, not always. Um, you know, one of the things that I find about this and having this time with you is that I, um, I, I love Hawaii. I've done a lot of work in Hawaii. And also um, I have a sister who lives there in in Oahu and so I yes I want to come back I love the people I love the you know that what you just said about the DOE really warms my heart because that's not always the truth and everywhere so um, well I want to kind of pull this together we're going to put a blog post together everyone that kind of covers some of the details around mental health and is there one thing that we didn't talk about Keisha well, I mean, I could talk all day, but, you know, um, again, I just want to reinforce this concept that, um, you know, mental health, it doesn't need to be taboo. It doesn't need to be something that we stand off from or scared of. Um, it deserves just as much validity and honor and place as, you know, I mean, all our kids have health class, right? And we all learn, there's a school nurse. So if you get a, a boo-boo, you got to go get a Band-Aid. I mean, kids know that from the get-go. They know if I have a stomachache, or if I don't, if I have a headache, if I don't feel well, I'm allowed to go to the nurse. I can go to the doctor. If I have a toothache, I go to the dentist. And um, but do they know? You know that the right that again that right to mental health. Do they know if they feel depressed over a long period of time, they have the right to seek help? Do they understand the signs? Um, and I think we just need to bring that more into the conversation. Again, not wait for a special month or a special day. Um, and so. We need to find ways to embed that, to make it okay to break the stigma um, and to not make it. Let me tell you a really quick story. I, I would always do a suicide prevention um, unit. And um, at the time in Hawaii, in, my, in West Hawaii, uh, the number one cause of death among people 12 to 19 was suicide. And if you're familiar with morbidity um, statistics, it's usually third place. Usually first is accidents, second is um, homicide, and then third is suicide. And a student came in and said, Miss, my, mom's, my mom says you shouldn't be talking about these things with us. We shouldn't be learning about these things. You know, and I'm, I mean, I have to respect that point of view, but it's, you know, my kids, my children, my own children and my kids sitting in my class, they were more likely to die by suicide than by a car accident. Mm. So why shouldn't I be talking about that? You know, talking about mental health literally saves lives. It literally saves lives. And again, you know, the more that we build up these, these children to believe they have the right, you know, the, just the better our world's going to be. We're building co community contributors. You know, we're building people who are building the world as we're going on. And after, especially after this pandemic, you know, we're going to want a, a good, positive, constructive world to live in. And so, you know, let's bring mental health into it. Let's reinforce it, support it, and make it a part of everyday living. Wow, I am so glad you said that. Uh, it, it is scary. Um, and I, I, maybe we can talk about this another time uh, and bring that up more about um, the concern about suicide and, and depression and all the other issues. Um, and maybe even bring some kids in and talk about it. Because uh, I just remember with my own children, there were children in their 
high school that committed suicide and, and it can cause problems because then the kids start talking about themselves and no one and the adults aren't talking about it. So you're right. We have to talk about it and the parents need to know what to say too and, and also know the signs um, and be aware. And that's the thing is that this is, it's just like you said, if you broke your arm, you'd take care of it. If there's something real, if, you know, you're bulimic or you're doing some other things, that's a sign, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, when I start teaching suicide awareness, um, I mean, um, about a million people commit suicide every year and globally. That's one person every 40 seconds. And you cannot tell me that we're not interconnected enough, that we're not a community, that we're not having enough, you know, human interaction between each other to, to recognize those signs, to be aware of them, you know, and to, to protect each other and to protect each other's mental health. Um, you know, it's a very important preventable issue that, as you say, if we just talk about it more, if we get those tools as parents, if we get those tools as educators, um, and, and like, again, break the silence. It doesn't have to be taboo or scary. And we can, there's a lot we can do. There's a lot we can do. Well, thank you so much, Keisha, because um, I want to become, end on an up note too, because <laughs> one of the things that I found is that um, after you had talked about everyone being a mental health first responder, it just made me realize when my granddaughter, I'll just tell you real quick, I'm going to end with the story. Um, after we had our little meeting, my granddaughter wanted to call me back and she said she just didn't like the outfit I was wearing and she thought I really needed to have a more up outfit and I told her I was going to be doing this thing on mental health. So she took, found this in my closet that I haven't worn for 20 years and it fits now because I lost weight. It's um, so I'll, I'll, I have a picture that I took a screenshot of us and they'll see my picture of it. And she said, you got to put the lights behind you. So you're shining. And I thought if we could just do that for everyone, low in your closet, have your <laughs> granddaughter, your someone else go through with you and clean out all the things that you don't want and find the things you want, but just find that things that make you happy. And especially now, so thank you so much, Keisha. This was just wonderful. It was. I mean, yeah. Again, I could do this all day, but I know. we all got places to go and things to do. But Not thank you so much for your work, Barbara. I love it. And again, you're highlighting so many great issues and, and giving space to so many amazing educators and their points of views, sharing stories. Always important. So mahalo. Mahalo. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.